Rob Grimm, would you say that we believe in taking education more seriously than ourselves? Oh, God, yeah. We don't take ourselves very seriously at all. Do you think? Oh, yeah. But I believe in taking education real seriously. Yeah. I remember starting out trying to learn photography, and there was nothing How'd out there. How'd that work there. for you? Not, not good. No, trying well. to learn it out on your own? No. No, no, no bueno. Yeah, you got to man up. got to get and, out there in the wild you know, and learn. A lot of people, Survival what, skills, do, you, what do you say about everyone that says, oh, you can just learn it on YouTube? No, you can't. There's no way. I, learn it on YouTube. That's YouTube doesn't go that in depth. And number two, you need to be able to understand a set of skills, put them into practicum, and go back and review it. Um, well, okay, you could go back and review it on YouTube. But if people are putting stuff up on YouTube, they're not really giving away their secrets. They're they're giving you half-truths and not the whole truth. And who wants to sift through all of that noise and watch commercials and try and get the highest quality education from YouTube. YouTube has its purpose. There's some things you can learn how to fix a sink on YouTube. Yeah, absolutely. But are you really, if you're going to focus on making photography your career, do you want to rely on free YouTube to, to be your source of education? Um, yeah, if you want to be an unsuccessful photographer who doesn't go very far and exactly. two years later you're waiting tables at a brunch place. Photographers, you know? they're on their own. Nothing against brunch, because I love brunch. I love double brunch. You are the king of brunch. I know. But if you want to make a living at this, yeah, investing in your education, probably pretty important. I, I, like the crux of it all? Yeah. Making mistakes is expensive. That's going to hurt your bottom line. Making mistakes is expensive. But learning from pros who have made mistakes and are sharing their secrets with you. That's a pretty good way to go. So learning from other people's successes and mistakes. Yeah. Oh, you're going to make mistakes. It's going to be your fast track to You want to minimize your mistakes, right? Absolutely. Right. So learn from the best. So at ProEDU.com, we've done that. We've we've curated a large collection yeah. of photographic knowledge. Yeah. And post-production knowledge. And post-production. And we put them all online. Online. You can stream them. Or download them. Anywhere in the world. You can subscribe or you can buy. You can subscribe. you got options. All the options. We came up with that. We defined every option and came up with it. Yeah, pretty much. Pretty much. Pretty much. So if you go to ProEDU.com right now, click on subscriptions, you can look at all of the benefits, like 50% off I was going to say, tools. don't forget that value add. 50% off, that's a big benefit. That's a, that's a big benefit. Yeah. I like big benefits. Yeah, it's like double brunch. <laughs> God, why'd you have to bring brunch up again? Because I'm starving. Let's go eat. All right, let's get out of here. and Let's get on to the next guest. I like it. Welcome to the ProEDU podcast. Where Rob and Gary talk and drink with your favorite photographers. So grab yourself a cold sarsaparilla and saddle up. In this episode, we're joined with Alan Wallace, landscape and astrophotographer. Alan, any relation to William? Um, I'd like to say yes. I haven't really looked into it that much, but <laughs> if you ask me in the pub, I'll definitely say yes. Yes. Right. So descendant of William Wallace, which is cool. Yeah, and Thank alongside you. Rob Grimm, I'm here. Gary Martin. This is day two of the Photography Show podcast. It is only day two. It feels like day 32. Doesn't it? For, yeah, a for some bit? reason, I think our bodies are a little ragged, but it's day two. Yeah. Alan, thank you for taking the time out of thank uh, you so the much for having me to, to hop on the show. Your work is pretty remarkable. Thank you. Yeah. How did you get into this industry? Um, so I've always been like a, a lover of the night sky and an astronomer. Like I studied physics and astronomy in university. And I've always kind of been inspired by astrophotography, but like being a student, you don't really have the money to kind of get into that kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, you know, as a student, you live off B 
beans, toast, and, and alcohol, basically. So, <laughs> it feels like everyone here a, lives off beans, that's toast. That's a good British diet right there. Beans, yeah, the toast, and alcohol. Yeah, the photographer's not that much better. Yeah. You know? <laughs> I've gotten beans with every meal here. Yeah. And, so basically, after university, I um, got a job, as you're supposed to do and all that, and uh, I had this disposable income, and I had a holiday booked to um, a place in Turkey called Butterfly Valley, which is a very dark place. And by pure coincidence, it was timed with the Poseidon's meteor shower. So I had this disposable income. I was like, hey, maybe I should finally start taking my own astrophotographs and sharing these, this, this place with like my friends and family back home. So I bought myself a camera, uh, went out to Turkey, and um, I was going to shoot the Poseidon's meteor shower. I was a little bit too drunk on the night of the peak of the, <laughs> the meteor shower that I couldn't really get a good photograph. But I did come back with loads of like Milky Way images and... And I, and I was hooked, man. And I came back to Wales, and obviously Wales is um, is a very dark place. I mean, other than the extreme south and the extreme north, we don't really have much apart from like rolling green hills and sheep. Um, and it's actually one of the um, so we're like the world leader in having percentage area of land protected against light pollution. Like eighteen percent of Wales has legislation in place against light pollution. Really? So do we have like? Um, right on my doorstep is the Brecon Beacons Dark Sky Reserve and they, they're not allowed to have street lights and, and things Dark Sky I don't think we have that in the United States I think you can that do anything exist, burn yeah. anything yeah. yeah that I've never heard of a Dark Sky Reserve that's kind of cool why yeah. is it so important for that much of Wales to to be protected by light um, I think from like the perspective of the country it's quite good for tourism um, especially you know even sort of national tourism we attract people from London and and the United Kingdom to come and enjoy the dark skies and and sort of get into sort of astrophotography and astronomy um, and that kind of stuff. So I guess the reason it's been done is for mainly for tourism, um, but for people like me, it's it's perfect. Yeah. So growing up in Wales, you always had these night skies, and that kind of pushed you to get a degree in astronomy. Um, I think so. Yeah. I mean, I've always kind of loved. Um, the maths and science and I've always had this sort of unquenchable curiosity and I think with space and uh, you know I was the kind of kid who wanted to be an astronaut and just go and explore other worlds I think with space you just you're greeted with that sort of infinite amount of wonder that you can never quench that curiosity so I've always kind of been in love with the night sky and I think one of my earliest memories was I was leaving the pub when I was like seven years old. This is why he was too drunk to get his first images. You see a recurring thing. And um, as we left, this, this huge meteor just kind of shot across the sky. And that's like one of my most vivid memories as a child. And I think I still see that shooting star in my dreams to this day. Did you make a wish on it? Probably did. I wouldn't say I could remember that much, but I, mean, I wasn't that drunk. I was only seven years old. But... <laughs> So what are the the challenges, other than being drunk in Turkey, what are the real challenges <laughs> of, of actually capturing good um, astro images? I mean, you, you've you got the, the challenges that come with landscape photography. Obviously, the weather is obviously the most, mm -hmm. the biggest thing, but you're also in pure darkness. You are going to, um, you're going out on nights with no moonlight, and you're trying your best to get as far away from light pollution as possible, so you're just in this totally dark environment. Um, so the, the biggest difficulty with that is that you you can't really compose your images in the dark. Mm. I mean, if you go out to like the mountains, you can't really you can't really see what you're composing. 
Um, so that's like one of the biggest sort of hindrances to getting a good image. Yeah, so how do you know what you're shooting if you can't really compose? <laughs> <laughs> um, so I'll, I'll, you know, I go out on walks and hikes all the time when I kind of find compositions in the daytime. As soon as I find a nice composition, I think to myself, what kind of night sky backdrop can I have with this viewpoint? Will the Milky Way ever come into this position nicely? Could I get some nice planets there or stuff like that? And then I kind of create this little map on Google My Maps to sort of remember all of these viewpoints. Mm -hmm. And then you kind of just got to play the waiting game. Sometimes with the Milky Way, you might have to wait like six months for it to be in the right position. And then obviously you've got to wait for a time when the moon is not in the sky, the weather's really good. Um, so it's a lot of planning. Yeah, it sounds like there's way more planning that involved with this than I would have expected. Yeah. And it's a lot of waiting. It's just a game of patience. Yeah. So do you have like a, a record or a list of all the places that you want and when you need to go back oh, there yeah. and when, when it's going to be photographable? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I'll use Google My Maps and you can save points on the, on the map and you can add like... Um, like a reference image taken mm -hmm. from the smartphone or something. You can add that to your Google Flights checklist now. Damn. You know, <laughs> now, Rob just found out about Google Flights. I just found oh, yeah. out about Google. Oh, <laughs> yeah. I didn't, I didn't know about it. <laughs> I was still trying everything on MySpace. Now I know about Google. So are you completely full-time? Do you have any other jobs? Yeah. So you're supporting yourself? So where where's the money coming from? Who are your clients? How are you making a living doing this? Um, I mean, it's only been like two or three months to be honest. Oh, all right. Um, I was working Congratulations. as a, thanks, man. Um, I was working as a, as a design engineer. Um, and I quit the job Christmas. So it's month three now of being full time. But obviously I've, I've built myself up that sort of pillow of comfort money to kind of see me through. But, um, I guess the main, the main income is probably the workshops that I do. Um, and obviously the benefit of that is that I can choose where and when to do the workshop. Yeah. Um, other than that, it's just whatever falls into my inbox. It could be absolutely anything. You get some really interesting stuff. So <clears throat> what are the most common questions that people have at workshops? What, are, what, what do people not get? Um, I think a lot of people want to learn how to sort of plan, uh, plan their shots. And the settings are quite easy in astrophotography. It doesn't really... Like 80 to 90% of my shots are taken at the exact same settings. Which are? F2.8. <laughs> F2.8 is my baby. Like I always use F2.8. Even though my lenses do like F1.4, I'll stop down to F2.8 because that's wide enough to get enough light in the dark. But you get that added depth of field. And lenses typically perform a bit better when you stop them down. You get sharper images. And, um, so it'll be F2.8, ISO 6400 usually. And the shutter speed depends on what lens you're using, but it's typically 20 to 30 seconds. And that's like 80 to 90% of my shots. So most of the people come to me to learn about how to plan an image, how to kind of pre-visualize, and how to kind of um, learn where to find different night sky wonders in the sky and at what time of year and that kind of thing. I think that's like the biggest reason people come to the to the workshops. So let's talk about your hardware then. What a... Uh what do you use? At the moment, I mean, for the last few years, I've been shooting on the Canon 60, which is quite well known for being good in low light. Um, and I've recently picked up a Sony A7S II, which mm -hmm. uh, has allowed me to film at night to, to do videos, which has sort of given birth to my astro vlogs on, on YouTube because you can film. I mean, it's not like TV quality. It's super noisy. 
but people can see me working in the dark under the stars um, and kind of get an idea of what goes into a shot, what's behind the shot. Yeah. Um, the Sony A7S II is only 12 megapixels. So I tend not to use it for stills that much. But now Sony have gone and brought out this A7 III, which is mm-hmm. 24 megapixels and just as good in low light. And I've been in the photography show, like, trying to keep the padlock on my wallet right now. <laughs> and I'm just like, oh, man. <laughs> well, you've got that pillow of, uh, yeah, of cushions. Yeah, but then that's... Stop going to the pub for a week. So have you started doing time lapses as well? Yeah, yeah. So what's the trick of getting the time lapse or the movement with the camera to move with the stars? Is there a most specific of the, formula you got to use? Um, yeah, kind of. I mean, most of the, the movement I've put into my time lapses up until now have been done in post-processing. So you're kind of shooting a 4K time lapse, crop in a little bit and sort of pan the camera. And obviously you've got pure control over that. If you were to do, say, um, a tracked... So an actual, if you've got the hardware that can move the camera... Um, I think it's, it's about 15 degrees per hour. So 15 degrees of turning per hour would kind of track the Milky Way perfectly, track the night sky yeah. quite nicely. Do you have a, a slider, specific hardware you use to, to make I, I've always wanted a slider in that kind of setup, but I've just never really had the, I guess, the money to kind Stop of Stop going invest to the pub, in, Alan. <laughs> <laughs> just come on, give it a couple months. Alan's making it work, though. He's sleeping yeah. in his car. And yeah. Yeah, you yeah, do yeah. what you can to make these exactly, things Exactly, man. I mean, I've got, uh, at the moment, I've just picked up one of those Zion or Zion cranes, like stape the gimbals, mm-hmm. and that's got like a nice little night time lapse mode on it. So I've got a bit of, I've got an axis now that I can, I can work with time lapse a bit more. But I think I'll eventually sort of get myself a slider and all that. And yeah, what's your post processing look like? How much time do you spend on these images to really bring them to life? Mm, I guess I'll have like a, um, a sort of, let's say about a four-hour session. Um, getting the image to a point and then a couple of days kind of coming back to the image looking at it with fresh eyes and maybe making some small sober adjustments eyes. Yeah. Some sober eyes on it <laughs> <laughs> see how it's going so what are you using do you use capture one lightroom you have a preference um i start in lightroom for the raw prep and then I, I take them into photoshop to kind of get that bit more control as to sort of where you want to take the image yeah can you do you make a bunch of presets that you can just load onto it from Lightroom or is this like you no. really have to you know pixel by pixel in Photoshop um, I don't, I, I, I've never really liked the idea of presets I mean I have kind of presets just to sort of quickly bang in the like sharpening and noise reduction but I never really put a preset in to create a look I kind of like to take each image fresh and just see where it goes um, I've never really had that I don't want to be locked into a, a style, if you know what yeah. I mean. You yeah. see these people who kind of get stuck into a preset, and they're like, "Oh, I can't change my style now because everyone expects me to look like this." And it's. Are you doing any compositing? I'm actually surprised at how much light is hitting the landscape, um, um, in in relation to the stars. Some some of the images are almost it's almost like daylight. Yeah. Um, but it's not. Yeah. So it's how how are you achieving that? Is that a one capture deal, or are you doing multiples? Um, you can get away with it sometimes with singles mm-hmm. um, it's quite surprising with the cameras I have you can lift the shadows and lift the blacks to quite a good degree yeah. um, but I will do things like stacking so you take maybe 10 images like exact same settings and you stack them together in Photoshop Yeah. Um, because basically the noise the noise in an image is very randomly generated so if you take 8 to 10 images and create an average that random noise gets averaged out. 
and it kind of gives you this nice clean foreground. Oh, that's a great tip. Yeah, and it, it gives you a lot more room to lift detail out of the shadow areas because you're not lifting noise out of the shadows anymore. That is a hot tip. My yeah. face just melted off. Yeah, it and should. That's, a new that's face, <clears throat> mine just melted. Yeah, that, that's a really, really good tip. And there's some, there's some good programs now. Like this process, you could usually it was quite a labor process in, in Photoshop. But there's now programs that do it automatically. So there's one for Mac called Starry Landscape Stacker. One for Windows called Sequator or Sequator. I don't know how to mm-hmm. pronounce it, but you basically throw the images in. And, and it, it stacks does it for them you. for you. And, and the beauty of it is the the stars in the night sky kind of move. I mean, the stars don't move, but because Earth is rotating, right. the stars in each image will be slightly off. Mm-hmm. So when you try and stack those, it doesn't work because the pixels are not sort of lined up. Right. These programs will cut off the sky section, line them all up, then stack them, and put them back onto the landscape for you. Really? Yeah, just does it all for you. This used to be like hours and hours in Photoshop. Right. And now it's a minute. Now it's like, pfft, just make it. yourself a cup of tea and come back later. <laughs> <laughs> or pour yourself another pint. So what kind of safety precautions do you have to take? If you're out hiking in incredibly dark circumstances, are you just, would you, are you, you and a tripod and a backpack? And, and a shiv. Hiking around there, what do you what do you do? Um, I mean, obviously, you gotta be you gotta have some decent clothing. Yeah. Make sure you're protected against wind and rain and anything that can come at you. Um, sometimes I'll take like a storm shelter out just in case I need to hunker down. Have you gotten down. caught in bad weather? Yeah, a couple of suddenly? times. Yeah, you kind of just chuck yourself in the bag and hope for the best. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You um, chuck yourself in a bag. That's the quote. <laughs> <laughs> just curl up hope for the best what's the wildlife like in Wales uh, sheep is it just, just sheep just sheep man I mean <laughs> no mythical do you guys believe in like mythical beasts oh, we've got like, dragons we've got dragons yeah but they normally eat the sheep and the goats they leave us alone man like, yeah they eat the sheep and yeah because we have Bigfoot yeah yeah. I guess yeah, the dragons have are cooler why the, do we have the Bigfoot the Scottish have Locky Loch Ness Nessie or Nessie Locky Nessie <laughs> <laughs> Locky uh, or Nessie or Nessie or yeah. whatever yeah so you guys just have dragons yeah yeah so I, I saw on your blog that you were handheld shooting with a 14 millimeter Sigma yeah man. is that I, I've seen a few other articles where people are hand holding and getting really good night is that due to that lens due to the how is that possible now I mean it's a combination of the lens, I mean, this Sigma lens, the 14mm f1.8, like nobody even thought it was possible. We've always had sort of 14mm f2.8 lenses, but the engineering behind a 14mm lens with an f1.8 aperture is like insane, Yeah, which is why obviously it's so expensive. So what ISO were you at to, to get that? God, I can't remember. I think it was probably about 25,600. When will, so the, when will the ISO stop getting higher? Like every, we're, we're up to like almost well, a half a million. Yeah, it'll keep going for a while. Yeah, I'm excited to see what the A7S 3 brings. Because, I mean, they've brought out this A7 III, which is slightly better than the A7S 2 which is like, up until now, was the low-light king. So if they're willing to, like, kill off the A7S 2 with this thing, that obviously means that the A7S 3 is going to be, like, an absolute monster. Yeah, that'll be better. So that's super exciting. What features would you put into the camera? What's missing for you? I don't really need much, to be honest. Um, just the low light capability just makes my life a lot easier. You can, you won't have to stack as much and do all these sort of like extra post processing. I don't really need much. I mean, my lens is a manual. I like, don't have autofocus. 
don't even have auto aperture control. You have to control the aperture from the lens. God damn, that's old school. Huh? Yeah, man. I mean, you, don't, you. you don't need it. <laughs> and it makes the lenses cheaper. Right. Because I just I don't need that stuff. Right. Um. So, yeah, I mean, the A7 III has kind of hit a bit of a, a note. So I'm kind of itching to get back over there and spend some money. <laughs> Why would you want to handhold those? It sounds like the ability to stack really because gives I you that. Because I wanted to make a clickbait title so I could get some <laughs> <laughs> Because the stack really eliminates the noise issue. That's yeah. smart. Yeah, I mean, the, the handheld thing was just like a... Can you do it? Yeah, it's just a yeah. demonstration that we've got to this point. Um, so it was, yeah, I mean, it's not very So practical. you're not looking for that to be the future of astrophotography? No, no. Like having not. handheld capabilities? No, no. So how far in advance are there events that you're planning out? Are you, like, looking forward to stuff happening in two or three years? Oh, yeah. So what are what are they? Um, Lay it on us. What what do we need to put on the schedule? The there's a. I mean, you guys were you out there for the total solar eclipse in the U.S. We were there. Yeah, we actually. There's, there's I was in Papua New Guinea, but I was there. I was there. Yeah, there's another one next year in down uh, in Chile in Patagonia. Yeah. So I I've got to do that. Like I was seeing the images coming out of the U.S. last year. It was, it was like, pretty cool. Oh my god, the light was amazing. I bet. And when when <laughs> when the sun was gone, the the light was crazy because it, like, it was like the shadows were kind of coming everywhere you it was kind this of like, weird twilight yeah you're surrounded by this 360 degree twilight yes yeah, it was we a, had one in um, in 95 in the UK and I remember that like right. that again another very strong memory in my childhood such an incredible experience and then like all the birds are just like what the hell's going on and yeah. they're singing their morning songs yeah yeah, yeah yeah what do we do it's crazy <laughs> it's totally crazy so but you gotta be careful you don't want to burn out your eyes man don't look at it <laughs> So what else is going on in the in the next two years that you're looking forward to? Um, that, that total solar eclipse at the moment is probably the biggest thing. I guess there's not much more exciting than that than at the pubs. moment. <laughs> What's the difference between pubs in Wales versus pubs in the rest of the UK? Is there a difference? The dragons are outside waiting <laughs> to take them home. <laughs> I think you'll find the, the hospital... Hosp- hospitality a bit warmer like welsh people are quite happy to greet strangers and just kind of welcome you guys in and um put us up for the night yeah there's a lot more of a community vibe and we, we we've got sort of small towns and villages so everyone's quite tight-knit and i think if you go to a pub in london like nobody would look you in the eye and if you look someone in the eye they probably ask you what they're looking at you for <laughs> <laughs> uh, so i think you'd find it's a lot more friendly and hospitable and where do you want this to take you? And where where in the world have you started to map out places that like uh, they have amazing darkness and incredible landscapes? Yeah. I have to go there. What are those countries or places? Um, so the next one I'm going to take off is a place called La Palma. Um, it's a Canary Island, just off Spain. Um, so I'm going to go there at two months' time. You know, go to sort of Tenerife and and La Palma. La Palma, the entire island is a dark sky reserve, so protected against light pollution mm-hmm. and there's basically a near permanent temperature inversion there. So they've got the, it's a very volcanic island and the mountains are quite high and you can drive over the mountains. But the mountains are pretty much always above the cloud level. Wow. So they've got telescopes and stuff up there because obviously they get a lot of good nights for observing. So that's like a dream for me, like to just be able to just drive above the clouds and go and shoot the night sky. <laughs> like, I can't wait for that. Yeah. Um, the other thing I really need to do is to get down below the equator and see the night sky from the southern hemisphere. Yeah. Um, it's something I haven't done yet, and obviously there's 
things down there that you can't see from the northern hemisphere and the sky kind of rotates the other way because obviously you've gone below the equator so Earth's rotation has gone the other direction mm-hmm. so I kind of want to see how I'd feel in that kind of environment because I know when I'm out under the northern hemisphere I can kind of navigate my way around the night sky I know where stuff's going to move I'm really excited to have that the novelty of a completely new night sky right. that moves in a way that I'm not familiar right. with and what do you think of the flat earthers people that believe in flat earth we lot swear sure yeah <laughs> I mean like how is that possible that people think this like does it just bother you you know I kind of feel sorry for them I think like the idea of it being a flat earth is kind of their way of comforting themselves for something else that's kind of going wrong with their lives <laughs> they like to think that they're just in this little snow globe and that they mean nothing I think they I don't know. I, I feel sorry for these people now. <laughs> <laughs> have you ever run into one? I've, ne- I've never, well, never met Well, funny one. enough, like, YouTube have basically blocked anyone who posts flat earth comments on my channel. Oh, they were posting? Yeah. What like, were they saying? They're just, like, you know, preaching that the, the earth is flat and it's all bullshit and stuff. And I didn't realize. I kind of, like, <laughs> found this, like, spam section on YouTube, clicked it, and it was just full of flat earthers. And I was like, <laughs> thanks, YouTube. You're like... <laughs> Good job. <laughs> <laughs> so where can, where can people go to, to check out your work and sign up for your workshops, and how often do you do them? Um, I mean, I've got my own website now, um, and I've got a mailing list going. And most of the workshops, to be honest, go to people who are on my mailing list. I always advertise to my mailing list first. I'm doing a workshop in Turkey in September, which has now sold out to people on the mailing list. I didn't even have a chance to advertise it publicly. So definitely sign up for the mailing list. Um, at the moment, I do kind of regular workshops in, in Wales, mainly in the Brecon Beacons. Um, that keeps me kind of ticking over. And I want to start doing more stuff overseas, so I've got the Turkey trip coming up. But um, at the moment, I'm waiting for an operation on my nose. Uh-oh. So I'm kind of taking it easy. I don't want to get too much stuff penned down because I don't want to have to turn around and say to people I'm sorry you got to cancel did you get in a pub fight again and get your nose broken <laughs> no but a pub fight actually fixed my nose once and then I broke it again <laughs> well, let's hear about it well I don't remember much about it to be honest uh, it was my 21st birthday but I, I, I used to play ice hockey and so I broke my nose a couple of times in ice hockey and it was kind of over that side of my face and then um, something happened on my 21st birthday I don't remember, but <laughs> but you woke up with a good nose. I woke up and it kind of gone back straight again. I was like, <laughs> "Oh shit, I can breathe!" And I was like, "This is sweet." And then I ended up um, very embarrassingly falling off an exercise bike. Oh, oh. Like, like a stationary one. Yeah. yeah, you can't say that. I know. <laughs> you got to make up a better story. You also can't know, unsay that. Yeah. From yeah, now on, you got to say it was like a dragon or something. It was like one of the dragons <laughs> from Wales picked you up and dropped you right on your face. <laughs> Broke your nose again. <laughs> you have any plans for a book? How did you know? I just I'm mystical. It's, it's that daddy magic. It's, yeah, <laughs> I've got I've got daddy magic. I mean, I do. Good. I do. It's actually, we we've started. Oh, we started. I'm not really allowed to say much about it just yet because we haven't gone official with it. All right, but it's happening. Good. Yeah, we can't wait to see it. So where can people go? What's your website and? My website is alanwallacephotography.com. Um, Alan spelled A L Y N. 
Are you on the grams too? Yeah, but I've kind of lost the love for Instagram lately. It's just not what it used to be, man. I mean, it used to be just, you know, people sharing images for the sake of sharing good images. And now it's just, God, it requires so much effort to get your images seen and to build a following. And Instagram have just completely, like, throttled everyone's accounts. And it's just like, I've got 17,000 followers and only a few thousand see my posts. Yeah. Yeah. And after you post something, like, 24 hours later, that post is dead. Like, yeah, nobody gone. sees it, yeah. And it's just kind of just overly saturated. And what I hate about Instagram is that you get this, you get this fake feedback. So everyone will comment on your image telling you how fantastic it is. But do they really think that? I don't think so. They just want you to come to their profile and do the same thing. And it's like, you kind of get this false feedback and you, you're almost convinced that maybe that image was amazing, but you kind of realize that they're doing that on every post they see and yeah. kind of just, I don't know, it's lost its, it's lost its realism. I'm going to give you a hot tip here. MySpace is coming, is coming back. Yeah? Yeah, yeah. Get yourself a MySpace account. <laughs> just the tip, Rob. <laughs> <laughs> I have to dig out my old one, but God, that'll be embarrassing. <laughs> well, Alan, thank you so much for joining us. Um, it was a pleasure meeting you. Thank your you work very much. Great. And we wish you the best of luck in uh, your new journey of uh, staying sober and uh, <laughs> keeping your nose not broken. Yeah. <laughs> and can't wait to see the book and the new images you're making. So best yeah. of luck to you. Thanks yeah. a lot, guys. Thanks. To download this podcast, go to rggedpodcast.com where you can download the entire season seven instantaneously. Like or lightning fast. Or you could subscribe on where, Rob? Uh, you can do it on Stitcher and Stitcher. Google and MySpace yep. and... All of Let's them. see, all of them. I'm getting the MySpace here. Well, we're, we're, make, we're making this up. I don't even know, we don't even know if MySpace still exists. We don't. We just say it like every there. podcast. Cheers. <laughs> Rob Grimm, do you think you should invest in new gear or ways to learn about using your existing gear? You need to expand your mind. You need to expand your, your you, mind. You need to increase your brain power. Yeah, and will it, will a new, or is a new camera going to make you better? Your skill set. No, a new camera isn't going to make you better. A new camera is more stuff that you have to learn and figure out and try to make second nature. And if you don't know what you're doing in the first place, if it's not second nature to you, a new camera is not going to help you. Yeah, so yeah. If, you're, if you're frustrated and you feel like your work isn't good, that new lens might, no. that, the new lens might make it a little bit more interesting. But might, the, the new camera... Probably not. And I'm giving this advice, and I was like, remember, I was an equipment junkie. You were. Oh my god. Bob was in rehab so much, for a little bit. so much equipment. Yeah. And two studios full of equipment. It was nuts. Yeah. Rob Grimm had to go to rehab for a little bit. We, we, we won't talk. We won't bring that up again. I don't uh, want you relapsing. We're not supposed to talk about that. We're not supposed. To That's talk. why my family's in witness protection. You're not supposed oh to bring this up. Oh my god. I'm so sorry. This is going to be public. Oh. Sorry, guys. So to learn more about the education from working pros. Go to proedu.com, mm-hmm. and you can browse through the entire library. Click on tutorials. You're going to be able to see everything we ever made. Man, there's all kinds of trailers. There's all kinds of information so you know what's up. Then you can decide what you're going to watch in what order. You know what's up so you can get down. Oh, my God. You see should trademark that. See yeah, yeah, yeah. That was pretty good. I'm yeah, not, gonna lie. not bad. All right. Let's get out of here. All right. Proedu is now unlimited. Get access to every single tutorial. Sign up at proedu.com today. But you, I'll take comfort in that. This podcast is officially over. See you next time. Never. <laughs>